Welcome to The Liberating Secret with your host, author and teacher, Sylvia Pierce. The Liberating Secret is dedicated to revealing the mystery of the gospel, which is Christ in you, the only hope of glory. Let's join Sylvia Pierce for today's lesson. Welcome to The Liberating Secret. My name is Sylvia Pierce, and I'm again with you today. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're getting a lot out of this series. Um, this series is actually a chart presentation called What is Man? And I think that's a very pertin pertinent question and I think we answer it pretty well through this chart presentation. I think it's, it's pertinent because we don't understand our humanity and we still think that we're evil somehow. We still have an evil human nature because the humanity is so evil. No, that through the cross, Christ was absolutely, he's done the work to purify us, cleanse us of all unrighteousness and cleanse us and cleanse our body with the washing of the word. Um, and so, um, no, we do not still have the old nature. Yes, we still have a fallen body. And through that fallen body, Satan can still come at us through, from the outside now. He's from the outside. He's coming at us and he is tempting us uh, for, through our bodily members. And of course, Paul did not know how to get victory in that in Romans 7, but he learned in Romans 8. So we'll certainly discuss that when we get there. Okay, now this next chart, which is chart 16, is focused on the content of the cup. And it's a little bit of a reiteration, but... Um, I think this is important, so let me just read it to you, and I hope to go over some of these charts pretty quickly, because it's pretty much reiterating what I've already said. Okay, Romans 6, 1 through 14, talks about the body death. The body death renders us power, uh, dead to sin. An exchange of natures happened at the cross. The content, or nature, caused us to be who we were and are. Our nature is the life and power source of our being and who and what we call ourselves. Formerly, we had Satan as our nature life source. Now through the cross, we have Christ as our divine nature life power source. Okay, Christ became what we were in Satan in order that we might become what he is in God. This exchanges the satanic nature for the divine nature and brings into being the new creation, which is Christ living as in us and as us. So I have a cup here to illustrate that. So let's move right along. And this is what we call the exchange life. This is how it happened. Ch uh, this is chart 17. We call this the exchange life. Christ died as us, made sin, expressing as us that sin nature, Therefore, in that death, out of our bodies went the false satanic nature forever, and Christ in that risen body represented us, raised us up with his own nature of holiness. Christ replaced Satan living in us and as us, from the satanic nature to the divine nature. Now, moving right along to chart 18. Faith is the key. The whole key is you have to take this by faith. And um, the Bible in uh, Romans uh, 6 
6.11 says this, and let me read that because that's very important. Romans 6.11, I'm, gosh, I'm already here. It says in verse 11, Likewise, reckon ye yourselves already dead to sin, indeed, and to, dead indeed unto sin, but alive, uh, alive unto God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a leap of faith to recognize yourself dead to sin and alive to God. Okay, now this is the truth of our new identity and uh, what Galatians 2.20 is actually saying. Now, if we let me give you a little background to Galatians. Uh, Paul, in the beginning of Galatians, is very emphatic about people giving another gospel or adding to or taking away from the gospel of grace and putting uh, the new Christians back under law. And we certainly have that problem today in some of our fellowships, putting new Christians right back under the shoulds and oughts of you've got to perform. Performance-based acceptance. And so Paul was pretty emphatically um, and demanded that if anybody uh, teach any other gospel except the gospel of grace, let him be accursed. In other words, let him go to hell. So it's pretty important to, to uh, teach the whole fullness of grace. And, you know, I like to tell people I am a grace teacher. Now, that does, mean, that does not mean that I'm teaching a license or um, a legal right to go ahead and um, uh, sin as much as you want to. I'm not teaching license. And I'm not teaching legalism. That's put all, all kinds of laws upon the Christian, the shoulds and oughts but I'm teaching liberation in Christ. And that's what grace is. And that's what Paul discovered. And of course he had his hard knocks on the road to Damascus, went into Arabia to discover that truth. And he says, he says that um, what he had did not come from man. It came from the revelation of Jesus Christ that God separated him for his, from his mother's womb in, in order to reveal Christ in him. And, and for him to be the apostle that certainly gives us these truths and the truths that we teach. And uh, so in Galatians, then he, he, it talks about when he went to Jerusalem to talk with the other apostles, because at first he didn't talk with any of the apostles. He wanted to just hear from the Holy Spirit. And so he and Barnabas went around. He picked up Barnabas somewhere along the way. And uh, they went around teaching and preaching this grace. And of course, uh, the, uh, uh, the Jews hated it because they said this, this man that was killing Christians is now pr uh, doing away with all of Moses' law, the law of Moses. That's blasphemy. Let's, kill, let's try to kill him. But then there were so many Christians that were still mixed up. The early Jewish Christians were still mixed up with a lot of the Jewish ritual like circumcision and um, dietary laws and, you know, a lot of the laws. And they were putting these laws on the early Christians. And, of course, Paul confronts Peter right to the face. You know, Peter, uh, Paul says in Galatians that Peter was the apostle to the Jews and he, Pete, Paul, was an apostle to the Gentiles. And But he confronted him right to his face in Galatians. Why? Well, because um, he was in Antioch, and that was um, in a, a Gentile city, and but there were uh, new er, new converts there, and actually, I think that's Paul's first church that he formed there in Antioch, and uh, so these first converts were taught the truth of the truth of the cross, how Christ 
had done the sacrificial work of setting us three, free through the gospel of grace. And there were lots of people saved, baptized in the Spirit. Um, and then Peter came to visit. Well, previously, the Holy Spirit had already told Peter that he was free not to be under the dietary, freed from all the dietary laws. He could eat any, any, anything. He could eat, eat pork, which he had previously not done. So, um, so anyway, Peter came to visit the church there at Antioch, and he was, um, he was eating with uh, all the new converts. Well, he gets word that uh, some of his friends from Jerusalem, they were Christian friends that were still mixed up, uh, and the Bible calls them Judaizers, really, still putting law on the Christians, that they were coming to, to Antioch to see Peter. Well, Peter gets afraid and thinks, oh my gosh, are they going to be seeing me eating this pork with all these new converts? And so he was really more worried about his own reputation. You, you have to realize Peter was revered as a great, great man. I mean, uh, in, the, in the beginning, uh, he, he was the one that gave the first talk at Pentecost. And uh, that, that first sermon, of course, won hundreds and thousands of uh, first new converts to Christ. And in, in those first beginnings, I mean, Peter was so powerful, he would walk by and people would be healed just because they were sitting in his shadow. So he was a very powerful uh, Holy Spirit man who was revered among all of the early Christians. So he had a big reputation to worry about. Well, when he started hearing that the Jewish Christians coming from Jerusalem were coming to see him, he he thought to him, he must have thought to himself, "Oh my gosh, I've got to, I, I I can't let them see me sit here eating this pork and eating with all these new converts because they don't believe that. They don't believe that they believe that you should still not eat pork. They haven't had that revelation yet. So, and basically, he was more worried about his own reputation, and so he was being hypocritical. And so he gets up, and all of the new converts they think, "Well, what's wrong? What have we done wrong? Have we done something wrong?" And the Bible says in Galatians that he even persuaded Barnabas, who had been with Paul for 14 years and, and had learned the grace of God. And since, since Peter was so powerful that he was persuading even Barnabas, who knew the grace of God, so and pulling them right back into being under the law. And so Paul had to take a strong stand, which he did against Peter. And he confronted him in front of everybody. Well, it has to be very, very, uh, very, very serious matter, or one apostle would not confront another apostle right to his face. And he did in front of everybody. And um, he he starts telling them. He starts he starts confronting Peter, and saying, "Peter, no, you're just a hypocrite." That's basically what he's saying. I won't read you all those verses that he said, but he said, we are not justified by the law. We're justified by grace. And, uh, and are, are you going to put the new converts back under law? If you are, you're going to lead them right into sin. In other words, what was basically ha the root of what was really happening there was that the devil could still operate through the mem through the mind of Peter by thinking all those thoughts. Oh, what are what's people going to think about me? Oh, I've got to save my reputation. Well, I'm well. I don't care. You know what these? I don't care about these new converts. I just have to save myself. You see, there was still there was still a self issue with Peter, even though he was a great apostle, knew the Holy Spirit, 
had great works of the Holy Spirit, He's, there was still this big self issue with him, worried about himself, protect me, save me, defend me, and so that I can look good. And he was hypocritical. And so Paul had to certainly confront him, which he did. And I take it later on that Peter finally did discover the truths of what really came out of this. And, and we can thank Peter for what he did, really, because the letter that he wrote to the Galatians brought out the great truth of Galatians 2.20. Usually a huge problem will bring out a huge answer. And this is the hallmark of what we teach on Christ our in Christ Our Life Ministries on the Liberating Secret is Galatians 2.20. Now look at this verse. Paul, this is what Paul says to Peter. This is what you don't know, Peter. And this is what I will have to say the majority of the Christian world they do not understand this verse. That's why we repeat it. That's why we don't mind being reiterating what we're saying because it's so important for the body of Christ to really recognize the truth, stand on the truth of who God says you are. Now, let's look at this truth. Now, this is not just Paul talking about himself. He's saying generally the whole body of Christ. This is truth for the whole body of Christ. It says, I am crucified with Christ. So therefore I say Christ was not a lonely savior there 2000 years ago. We were all in Christ at the crucifixion. Nevertheless, I live. So here we are, we're still a self, we're still alive, but yes, yet I'm a vessel self. I, I really recognize I'm just a vessel. You see, it costs you everything just to realize that you're a cup. You're just a vessel that contains the power, that you don't have the own, your own sufficiency or power. You're just the cup. Nevertheless, I live. I'm a self, available self, yet not I. I don't fill my own cup. Christ, the new content, fills the cup. And, of course, that's why I, I, on that previous chart I had a cup with coffee in it. So we're not the coffee. We're the container, we're the cup, and he's the coffee, but we're not the coffee, so we don't have to produce any coffee. We just have to contain the, the coffee. We don't have to, we don't have to um, uh, produce it. A, a container is just makes it available for other people to drink what's inside, what's inside of us, so that's what we do. That's what I do is teaching, just making it available for you to drink from Jesus, not from me, but from Jesus who lives inside me. And this verse says, yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. Now, a lot of people these days in some of the Christian fellowships, they're, they're saying this verse, but it's getting to be pretty generic and meaningless. And sometimes that can happen. It can it, it just be a verse that we all just quote and we don't really think about what it means. I'm always doing that. I, I always... I ask people, well, what does that mean to you? Most people, we just get, we do rote things all the time, and we get so familiar with different verses and different things that we say that we just take it for granted that we understand what it means. But if you would ask people, they don't have a clue. And what, what this verse is really saying is you don't live. You're dead, and you died with Christ. You don't live anymore. The real you, the spirit you, is now joined to Christ, and that's who you really are. So you don't live anymore. It's really Christ living in you. And he's the one expressing his nature out through you. He's the one that produces the fruits out through you. He's the form of, he is the manifested fruit of love, peace, joy. That's him. That's not even me. But it comes out like me. 
It comes, it's, it's as if it's me. It's what union is about. The two become one. The Bible says this, the two become one flesh. We're bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. So he interpenetrates our very being and, and, and manifests his fruit out through us. What a gift we have. Are we going to refuse this gift that Christ is really our life because we're looking at ourselves and maybe our, all of our failures and, and all the ways that we haven't manifested the fruit of the Spirit? Well, stop looking at that. Start looking at who God says you are. Take your eyes away from what you're doing and what you're performing and look at who God says you are. Recognize the truth and the truth will set you free. Because it goes on to say, but Christ liveth in me and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by that faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I even say, I don't even live by my, I can't even believe this. I don't even have, I'm like the man that says, I believe, but Lord help thou my unbelief. This seems so foreign from who I am, but this is who God says you are. One time I was at a meeting at a man's house, very prominent person in Nashville, and um, everybody, I was teaching this truth. Well, a lot of the people in, in this meeting started jumping around like, oh, wow, this is so great. This is so great. But yet the host of the meeting, he says, I, I don't really understand this at all. He says, this is way too intellectual for me. And I said, you know what? I said, this is really the, for the, the simplest of God's people. I said, were you saved by understanding? And he said, well, no. And I said, weren't you saved by faith? And he said, well, yes. Well, that's how you have to take this. You have to take it by faith, not by understanding. So if you're saying, I don't understand this, we're, we're not saved by understanding. We're saved by faith. Well, at that meeting, I said, I want everybody to turn to Galatians 2.20. I want you to put your finger there, and I want everybody in the audience to do that. You turn in your Bibles to Galatians 2.20. You put your finger there on Galatians 2.20, and you say, I'm going to take this very verse as my true identity in Christ. I don't really understand what it all means, but I'm going to trust you, Lord. You're going to make, you're going to reveal yourself in me, and you're going to manifest your fruits out through me, and I'm going to take that by faith. <laughs> wow, I love that. And the whole key is that faith. As a man, uh, uh, whatever we believe, you see, if you believe the lie, the lie will manifest. If you believe the truth, the truth will manifest. The truth is a person. The lie also is a person. The lie is the satanic um, lies that lie to us in our mind. You see, Satan projects lies in our mind. Now, he's not inside of us. He's not in my mind. But he certainly projects thoughts into me and into us. And they come across as if it's first person thoughts. So I'm not really even realizing it's him thinking in me, but anything that's condemning me, making me feel like I'm less than, and that I should, uh, oh, I, I, I'm, I've failed again, I'm a failing, uh, oh, wretched Christian that I really am. You see, all that condemnation is accusations coming from Satan himself. He's projecting that in your mind, and it's coming across as first person. So you're thinking, I'm so terrible, I should have done better, I'm going to try harder next time. All that is coming right from Satan. What is God? What is what does the Holy Spirit say in our mind? The Holy Spirit is always upward. Satan is always downward, down, down, down. Holy Spirit is always upward. Even if we have sinned, he points us to the blood. Come on now. 
The sin, uh, the blood of Jesus already uh, cleansed you of all your sins. Come on, get up. Walk in me. Take it by faith that I'm in you. I'll manifest my love nature through you. You just trust me. I'll do the work. You do the believing, and I'll do the work. That's all it takes. So, so we move into the next one, which is uh, the big truth that, uh, and the big lie, basically, that has permeated most of Christianity is that we're self-contained. So therefore, we can produce in and of ourselves. So this chart is chart 19, and it says, we, we were never created to be self-contained. We always think we're just a self-containing a self, so therefore we have an evil self. That's not true. We um, were never self-dependent. We were ne never self-keeping. You see, you, could, you don't have the power to keep yourself. To, um, you were never self-maintaining. We all think we can maintain ourselves. We, these are all the symptoms of the uh, mind of the flesh. The mind of the flesh wants to have hope in itself, basically. And so we want to be self-dependent. And we don't want to depend on God. We want to depend on ourselves. And, uh, but that's a lie. We've never, we were never created to be self-contained. We want to be self-operating. I'll do. I'll, I've got my own power. I'm going to keep myself. I'm going to maintain even my Christian walk and my Christian life through the more uh, fellowships I go to, the more Bible I read. You know, Bible reading is wonderful. I love my Bible. You all know that by now. But yet, it doesn't maintain my Christian standard in standing in God. Jesus has done that. Jesus is my maintenance man, is what I always say. But we always think that the self can improve itself. That's a lie. That We were never created. The, the self doesn't need to improve itself. It needs to realize it's dead and resurrected in Christ. Okay, we're not self-generating, and we're not self-empowered, and we don't have self-motivation. You know, you hear all these motivation speakers, and they're trying to get us all motivated, and a lot of our sermons are trying to get us motivated to do more good works. Well, that's not what it's about either. It's about living by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one I depend on. The Holy Spirit is the one that operates through me. The Holy Spirit is my keeper. The Holy Spirit is, is the maintenance man in me. The Holy Spirit is the one that moves me from glory to glory. And in, in it, there is some, some sense of improvement or advancement in me. Uh, the Holy Spirit is my, the generating power and force within me. The Holy Spirit empowers me and he's my motivator he's my knowledge it's the spirit knowledge and he's my, and he's my wisdom he's my power and he's my wisdom i love this verse in first corinthians it says uh, christ is the power of god and christ is the wisdom of god so christ in you is your power and sufficiency and it doesn't come from the vessel it comes from the one that lives within you and Christ in you is your wisdom, because it says in 1 Corinthians, and I love this verse, verse 30, it says, um, um, it says, but of him, this is chapter, this is 1 Corinthians one thirty says, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So he's done the work. Are we going to believe it? That's the point. So the great... 
dragon was cast out, that old servant, the devil. And who deceives the whole world? So he is, it's a self-deception to think that we have all these self-empowerments, which is a lie. And we're going to talk about the next time in uh, chart 20, where in the world did the lie come from? And I think maybe we've got time this this program. I'm going to go ahead and read that. Where where did where did mankind's deceive I go wrong? When did it go wrong? When did that identity I, the me in me, go wrong? And it's Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. When Satan said this, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne to the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High God. He, the created cherubim, says, I'm going to be like the Creator, God. He, I'm going to take God's place, actually. That's where it all came from, and we're going to go into that in a little bit later. And then in Genesis, where did it come into man? When man, when Adam says, I heard the voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. This is independent self. This is independent self first in Satan, and now he's imparted it into man at the fall. And, he's, and that's what brought about his fear, his nakedness, and his shame. And an independent rose up. I heard the voice of the, uh, in the garden. I was afraid. I was naked. And I hid myself. There it is. That's where the deceived I went wrong. Then Romans 7. Paul struggles with that deceived I, that independent self. You see, it's not that we're not a self. Somebody said, well, you, we've got a self. Yeah, that's right. But you're not an independent self. You're really a dependent self. That's the point. When we're operating independently from the Spirit, that's when that's where the problem is. And that's what Satan thought he could do. That's what man did when he ate from the tree. And then Romans 7, when Paul struggles with it and says, the will, not, the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. When I would do good, evil is present with me. So when I, the independent I, wills to do good, then the evil is present with him. And so then how did, how did that independent I get put where it's, uh, it's meant to be, which is the independent I is Satan, and he was, he was cast down, okay? In Mark 14, when Jesus wrestled with that independent I at, in Gethsemane, when he said, uh, take this cup from me. No, no, no. Not what I will, but what thou will. Because the f cup that the Father has given me, shall I not take it? So he wrestled with that. That's what temptation is. When you're wrestling with an eye that wants to go the opposite way. And he did. He said, take this cup from me. That wrestling, ha experiencing that tension of that independent eye is not sin. It's temptation. If it were sin, Jesus sinned, but he did not sin. He was a sinless sacrifice. You have been listening to The Liberating Secret with Sylvia Pierce. We want to send a special thank you to all our supporters who make this program possible. If you have been blessed by this program and would like to contact Sylvia, you can write her at P.O. Box 43268, Louisville, Kentucky, 40253. That's Post Office Box 43268, Louisville, Kentucky, 40253. 
You can also find more of Sylvia's teachings on her website. The web address is www.theliberatingsecret.com. That's www.theliberatingsecret.com. And be sure to listen again right here Monday through Friday at the same time for The Liberating Secret with author and teacher Sylvia Pierce. So until next time, may God richly bless you.